Vegas Nation, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. Who knows, maybe Hard Knocks will come and cover that. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? What I think it does, it just it opens up the world to, to show us who we really are. AB is a character, Derek Carr is a character, so I just think it's, it's exciting for people to see what type of team we have. The reason you go away to training camp is to get away from all the distractions. Hard Knocks is an intrusion. It was handed to us, so it's up to us to deal with it. Hey everyone, it's Heidi Fang here, along with our Raiders staff writer Adam Hill and former Raiders cornerback Stan Rout. This is the Vegas Nation Hard Knocks podcast, and we are brought to you by STN Sports Mobile Stations Casino. You can subscribe to Vegas Nation at VegasNation.com. Download the Vegas Nation app to follow all things silver and black. And you can find this podcast also on ReviewJournal.com slash podcast or anywhere you download your shows. Drop us a comment. Let us know what you think. We always love hearing from you. So, guys, uh, Hard Knocks Episode 2 is in the books. It was much more intense, in my opinion, than the first episode. We saw Gruden get fired up at the team, particularly at those backup quarterbacks, Nate Peterman and Mike Glennon. We finally saw what was going on with Antonio Brown's feet. And we also saw what the Raiders look like up against an NFC championship team in the Rams. So first off, let's welcome Adam and Stan back to the show. Guys, thanks for coming on today. Uh, Adam, can we all stop calling Antonio Brown a diva? No. I mean, that's what receivers are. And I'm sure, you know, Stan, listen, you've dealt with receivers your whole career. So uh, I'm sure you may feel the same way. But listen, I don't think diva is a negative term either. Like, I know that we have that connotation of, you know, the the prima donna and the crybaby and all those other things. But, like, there, it takes a special kind of person to be the kind of player that he is. And, yeah, listen, do I think he's a diva in general? Yeah, but I'm not saying that's a, a completely negative thing. I think you need to have some of that attitude to be great at what you do, and we've seen that out of him. Now, in this situation, yeah, I think he has a real injury. I think he's dealing with a real thing that he has to get through. But in general, I'm not going to stop calling him a diva. I think he is. So Antonio Brown but can— Stan, Stan where, where are you? Are, is that okay? Like, can we call him a diva? I don't think that that would be a false accusation to call him a diva based on everything that has transpired— even dating to his uh, days back in Pittsburgh over the last several months. Um, but I do agree with you. I do think that whenever you play outside on the edge, oftentimes you're on an island, whether you're the receiver or the corner. And I think that playing a lot of man coverage as a corner, it forces you to live in your own world. And there's a part of you that has to be narcissistic. That's just the only, that's just the only way that you can actually survive out there on the edges. And, for Antonio Brown, he does have a lot of eccentric uh, ways that he goes about his approach to the game. But if that's how he goes through his progression to actually for his approach for the game, you almost have to get to a point where you have to kind of accept it because you know what he's going to bring on Sunday. Um, it probably is a little bit too much for my taste, but also at the same time, I'm not a seven-time going on eight-time pro bowler, so – who am I to sit over there and tell him how he's got to approach the game? So, you know, he confirms that this all happened in a cold therapy session in Paris and that he felt a sensation that caused this condition to his feet that looks like his skin is just, like, crumbling off the back of his foot. It looks like a whole layer is messed up. And I think Michael Gelkin, who was with us last week, tweeted that it ruined, uh, you know, a bunch of people's dinner, most likely seeing that. But is Mike Mayock right? He said Antonio Brown is a thoroughbred who will bounce back from this without issue is Mike Mayock right in saying that 
I don't think that I don't think he's wrong for it because when you look back at Antonio Brown's career, um, and I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't ever remember him missing a, uh, an ex, an extreme amount of games in any season since he's been uh, since he's been in the NFL. So for the, for saying that he's a thoroughbred, I think what he basically means is that Antonio Brown is pretty durable. He's not somebody that missed an entire season with a hamstring injury or somebody, let me go ahead and knock on wood, that has missed an entire season due to like an Achilles or uh, an ACL or some sort of catastrophic injury. I think that's more along the connotation that he meant of Antonio Brown being pretty durable. And even myself, when I'm looking at the injury, you just see a lot of dead skin on the outer layer of the soles of his feet. So when you go ahead and think that today is August 13th, in the first game of the season, it's in the, until I believe, what is it, September 8th, yeah. something like that. Um, he still has a solid month. And for a guy like Antonio Brown, he does not need preseason. The guy already knows how to play football. He knows how to catch. He knows how to run routes. Now, is it going to take him time to get on the same page as Derek Carr as far as their chemistry, the synergy that they're going to need to have on the field, like he had with Big Ben in Pittsburgh? Yes, he's going to need that. But you can develop that also in practice. So I don't think that him missing preseason, missing training camp, is it that big of a deal because from what it looks like to me, it seems like it's more just a matter of the skin finally go ahead and just falling off, the new skin forming, and then he'll be ready to go. And I think all of that will happen within the next month before the uh, regular season starts. To your point, since 2013, 16 games, 16, 16, 15, 14, 15, and last year, uh, the 15 was was not an injury thing. It was just uh, the end of the year. So, yeah, when it's time to play, he'll play. That's what he's always done. But just kind of going back to what you're saying about, you know, the locker room and everything else, like guys have more leeway when they can perform like Antonio Brown, right? Like if this is a guy Absolutely. who – Yeah, if this is a guy who like six catches a game and, hey, he's kind of good, like you're not going to put up with as much. But guys kind of understand like, hey, we know what he's going to bring when he gets here. He can be a distraction if he wants to as long as he plays when he's here. Absolutely. I mean, we look at last week's episode, uh, the first one on Hard Knocks, and it was, I forget, I think the guy's name was, what was it, Ali or Holly? The Ronald guy that Ali. Came from, uh, la- yeah, uh, yeah, Last Chance You. We see that he got hurt. He then goes and misses the treatment, and guess what? They get him up out of there. They cut him. Yep. So, and then we see and with Antonio Brown, we see reports that he's been radio silent away from the Raiders for X amount of days. And you don't see there any talk about Antonio Brown possibly being on the trading block, uh, the Oakland Raiders thinking about maybe releasing him or anything like that. So we all know in this league, if you can produce, you will be on the field and you will have a job if you can perform. And he performs at the highest of all levels when you look at uh, the receivers in the NFL. So he definitely is not is somebody that – Whenever he's injured, whenever he has a situation, whenever he has a hearing that he has to go through with the arbitrator about his helmet, things like that, as a GM, as a head coach, you're going to wait on him. Now, I will say this. For a John Gruden, you clearly said, I mean, you clearly heard him say that we're optimistic, but we're also concerned. So the one thing about the NFL is while you're producing at a high level, yes, they will go ahead and they will they will bypass, they will look past everything, and they'll find a way to go ahead and get and, uh, and get by it. But if your production starts to slip a little bit, that's when all of a sudden 
they don't have as much leeway for you. They're not going to sit over there and accept and tolerate as much from you. But I don't see any any drop-off or anything like that in Antonio Brown's production, at least for another couple of years. So I don't think he has much to worry about uh, in this situation. Well, Stan, you bring up that helmet issue, so let's get into that. Uh Antonio Brown wants to wear a Shut Air Advantage adult large helmet that was manufactured in 2010 or after. He took to Twitter to ask people if they have a helmet like that. And he says, I will exchange, uh, I will trade a signed practice worn Raiders helmet for that. So um, he lost this appeal. It was a uh, you know, failed appeal to the NFL. What can we expect from Helmetgate, Adam? Uh, do we expect to see... First of all, we found a helmet. So we've got oh, the helmet got, now. You have one here? No, no, no. He has one. Oh, he, he did? Found one. Okay. He, Twitter worked. Oh, okay. I didn't see now, that he first had of one all, on Twitter. I, I, don't, I don't think that was a good enough offer. And Stan, you can, you can back <laughs> me up on this. If you want a helmet, you need to find a helmet out there. we got to come stronger than a signed Raiders helmet, right? You say you saying as far as like him uh, putting it out there on Twitter, if anybody has a helmet that he can wear, go ahead and uh, send it to him. Yeah, and then he we... said he would give them a signed practice worn Raiders yeah, helmet. Yeah, practice helmet. Can we get like season tickets or something? This is a huge deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he definitely could put up something a little bit more than just like a signed uh, practice helmet. <laughs> so, I don't think he's had. He doesn't had any other Raider gear yet, except for if he signs a jersey or something he's worn to really. Yeah, get, to first give, of all, cause... my suggestion. I don't know if. I don't know if you know, Stan, how bad the parking is going to be at the stadium. I want if if you throw, you get Antonio Brown's parking spot at the new stadium in Vegas. <laughs> there you go. I think he finds a helmet in two minutes. Those things are as valuable as it gets. There's no parking there. Yeah. Uh, but on a serious on the serious note, how important is a helmet to a player? Oh man, that it all depends on the player. For me. I always wore the DB type of helmet, you know, with the two uh, the two bars on the sides of uh, of your eyes, kind of like what Deion Sanders basically kind of made famous back in the 90s. So it wasn't something that really was, like, high on my list of priorities, but also at the same time, I, don't, I didn't play receiver. And with playing receiver in the NFL, the ball is coming at you, all different types of angles, it's coming at you at high speed, and you got to catch the ball. So that's where Antonio Brown makes his money. I can see why he's placing such a high premium on his helmet because that's his that that, that may be even his superstition. A lot of players believe that you know what I play good whenever I wear a certain type of glove, certain type of shoes, a certain type of helmet, uh, a certain uh, pair of socks that I've been wearing ever since high school. So certain players feel strongly about certain superstitions. So maybe that's in his re- repertoire of superstitions that he feels gives him that edge on Sundays. Now, I will say this. This is one thing that I have a have an issue with among players, even going to the, um, uh, not to the PEDs, but the substance abuse, whether it's, uh, whether it's weed or some sort of uh, MDM or something like that. I do firmly believe this, that the NFL, to play in the NFL is not a right. It's a privilege, plain and simple. And I believe that within that privilege, because it's just that a privilege and not a right, you have to abide by the rules. So if your boss or the CEO of the company tells you that, you know what, you got to wear a red tie to work every day, you know what, you got to wear a red tie to work every day if you want to work here. Now, if you don't want to, you can go ahead, go sign with another company, you can go and be in a totally different profession, and you can do whatever you want to do. 
But if you want to be a part of this profession, if you want to be a part of this company called the NFL, you got to abide by those rules. And I understand a player not liking the rules. I get that. We see reports with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. They Both of them, they've already spoken out that they don't really care too much for this new helmet policy either. But if you notice, what Tom Brady said at the very end of that was, I don't really have much of a choice because it's either play with this new helmet or simply don't play football at all. So that's where I understand Antonio Brown's uh, point of, I want to play with the helmet that I've been playing with for X amount of years. Obviously, I haven't gotten some huge concussion or any CTE, brain disease, anything like that. So obviously, it was working properly for my first X amount of years in the NFL. I should be able to keep it. I get that part. But at the same time, whoever signs your checks, whoever is in charge of your salary, your income, whatever they say goes right, wrong, or indifferent. And that's the part where I think as a player, we all have to realize we don't call the shots here. All we do is just cash the checks that they give us. So if you want to continue to cash those checks, you got to go ahead and do what the boss man says. All right. So let's get into some of the top moments that we saw in Hard Knocks, because obviously Antonio Brown is who the people want to see, but we'll have the saga continue in the coming episodes. Uh, so we will keep everybody up to date on all things going on with A and B, uh, A, B, excuse me. But the big standouts in this episode, I think, uh, was Gruden firing up the charge between the quarterbacks. You have Nate Peterman, you have Mike Glennon. Now, I don't see right now either of these guys really breaking away as the solid backup quarterback. Adam, right now, do you see either of these two um, leading the charge? Would it be House Mouse Peterson or Mike Glennon? Uh, well, I think if you look at how much Gruden has talked about the interceptions that Glennon has thrown, not only in practice and in those joint practices, but two in the first half against the Rams the other day, uh, I think what he wants out of his backup quarterback is a guy – listen, you, you never want to have your backup quarterback playing, which you always want him to be ready to play. I think he wants a guy that if he does go in there is not going to make mistakes, and I think he was very upset at Glennon's mistakes. Uh, so I, I think maybe Peter might have a little edge, but I don't think anybody's running away with this competition. I think there's a long way to go. Uh could you tell anything from how you saw them play? Uh, I guess we got to see a lot of them in these uh, uh, the game and then the episode today, but what do you think, Sam? Uh, I pretty much agree right there with you, Adam. I think that it's pretty much kind of like just them neck and neck. Uh, both of them have obviously shown their deficiencies. We can see Nathan Peterman even dating back to his days for the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, he has his limitations. And for Mike Glennon, for his time in Chicago and in Tampa Bay, I think that for John Gruden, he, mo- he most importantly is worried about the turnovers. Obviously, a backup quarterback is a backup quarterback for a reason. He doesn't necessarily have the arm talent, the accuracy to be the head guy, the franchise quarterback. I think that whenever you have a a backup come in, the most important thing is taking care of the football. So whoever can decrease on their turnovers the most, I think that'll probably be who wins the backup job because John Gruden is not stupid. He knows that no matter who is the backup quarterback, to Derek Carr, that person is going to have their limitations. But at least I can go ahead and hang my hat on putting him in the game knowing that he's not going to commit careless turnovers. Okay. On the other side of uh, the ball being thrown, we have a guy like Keelan Doss, wide receiver, guy product of UC Davis, Bay Area native, uh, Alameda guy. 
Does a guy like Keelan Doss make this team? I mean, I think right now at the wide receiver that core that we're seeing, he's got a chance. It's a very it's, it's slim a, chance. It's a, it's a it's a tough battle for him. But here's the thing: he's right in the mix. He's right there on the line. He has an advantage of making the team to me, and that being at practice every day, they feel that if they put him on the waiver wire, if they cut him. I think they would love to put him on the practice squad, but if they put him on the waiver wire, he will get picked up immediately. So that is why I think he is going to make this team. Uh, he does a lot on special teams. He's playing all three positions. He's he's all over the field, and he's making plays. He's made a couple of mistakes, but I think they understand that as a rookie that can happen. Uh, but I, I do think he's going to be in a position to make the team because I don't think they want to risk putting him out there on the waiver wire. <laughs> SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Listen, let's get to more important things if, since we're talking about receivers. Uh, the Hunter Renfro performance uh, of, of by trying to sing was the worst thing I've ever seen. It was embarrassing. <laughs> not, because, not because he's that bad of a singer, because he is, he's terrible, but he didn't try. Like, if you're going to get up there, try. And, Stan, have you been in these rooms? First of all, did you get Rookie Hayes? Did you have to do a rookie singing performance? No, I didn't have a rookie singing performance. We just had to go to Ruth Chris Steakhouse over there <laughs> in the city. Uh, and they, and I don't even want to say how much the bill wound uh, up. He, he told us last just, week, but yeah. Yeah, just know that the bill was five figures. Just, oh. just know that. Um, <laughs> but, no, we didn't have to do any singing, but – um, it's a part of, it's just a part of the tradition. It's a part of the camaraderie. It's a part of the brotherhood, the fraternity that the NFL is. Um, whenever you come in as a rookie, you're going to get a little bit haze. That's just how it goes. And when you're going through it, get, make sure to get Popeye's chicken for every away game for all the veterans to eat whenever they're on the plane. Uh, going and picking up players' pads like Charles Woodson, Namdi Asamoah, Warren Sapp, people like that. Whenever you're going through it, you hate it. You really, really do. But then as you become an older player, you realize after it's over with that that's just a part of the process. And you actually start to take great pride in it because they're, they're, they're bringing you in to this brotherhood, to this fraternity. And it's something that everybody has to go through. And I mean everybody. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you were the number two pick in the draft or something like that. Everybody goes to a rookie hazing in some form or fashion. And once you get past the mental hurdle of, I'm not going to do that. I'm Mr. Big. I'm, you know, big, bad, this, that, and the, and the other. I'm not going to let them check my manhood like that. Once you get over that mental aspect of it, you realize that everybody goes through it. And it's just simply just a part of, of being accepted in a disturbance. That, okay, that, so, that's why I think you just have to belt it out. Like, even if you can't sing, do it. And by the way, side note, Max Crosby gets called up. He is a phenomenal rapper. He was in a rap group in high school. He can flow. Look online. You can see all kinds of great videos of him rapping. But he and doesn't he, know who Parliament is. He refused to rap. Yeah, he's, he's 21. <laughs> he's got to go look at George not. Clinton. But he, he, he can really go. And he didn't. He chose to sing instead. Uh, so I think they'll feature him rapping at some point down the road. Yeah. I was actually nice. going to ask. Check him out. Yeah. I was actually going to ask, like, if you had a uh, karaoke gig to go to, who do you invite, Max Crosby or Hunter Renfro? Come on. <laughs> 
Max Crosby. He tried. He tried at least. I just don't like the non-effort. There's a lot of people that can't sing. At least try. Hunter Renfro gave half effort. I don't like that. And I also, just yeah. for what it's worth, I really like the effort that we saw out of Crosby on the field after breaking his hand and getting back out there. That guy is hungry. Um, let's get into some of the top, like, real quick uh, moments that you saw out of Hard Knocks. Adam, I know you wrote the five takeaways. What was your number one tonight? Uh, well, number one was all the Antonio Brown, uh, Max Crosby not rapping I had on there uh, for sure. But I think um, the thing I take away the most uh, is John Gruden blowing up Keelan Doss's spot. And I don't even know how many people saw this, but he, he asked Keelan Doss, are you bringing a girl? He said, I've got a couple of them. And Gruden's like, yeah, I heard that about you. Bro, you're on TV. You can't sell this guy yeah. out. He's trying to play a game here. Stan, to follow up on that, what was, what was your what was your favorite moment there in the show? What was your big takeaway? Oh man, my biggest takeaways, and this is probably just more so the uh, the, the nostalgic side of me. My biggest takeaways, once again, were just seeing uh, the Napa Valley Marriott, uh, obviously the practice field, uh, and number uh, number three, I'd say how fast the Rams defense looked in practice, not in the game, obviously, but whenever they were practicing against the Raiders, just how physical and how fast the defense looked. So shout out to Wade Phillips. Um, I would say uh, next up, obviously, the Antonio Brown coverage. That's something that uh, that I'm obviously paying uh, close attention to. And then I would just simply say uh, Jonathan Abram. Uh, I love how vibrant and just how open he is as far as just the way he talks to other players, the way he flies around the football field, and just all around the energy he brings to the game. Uh, seeing him have that talk with Charles Woodson, I really like that part. Um, I think that I think that this this Raiders team really has a chance to open some eyes this year. I really, really do. I think Derek Carr can take the next step. Uh, him and John Gruden together. I think Tyrell Williams, obviously we haven't really seen much out of him in the preseason or on hard knocks. I think he's going to actually uh, make some strides this year. And then, like I said, you know, seeing the Doss touchdown at the end, I think really put the cherry on top with him being from Alameda, going to UC Davis, obviously being undrafted. And just like what uh, just like what uh, his teammate Renfro said, like you can't write a better script for this kid coming from the Bay Area being undrafted, growing up a Raider fan, getting signed by the Oakland Raiders, getting a, a touchdown in its first preseason game, I don't think you really could actually put a better bow on top of it than, uh, than that actually the way it played out. And for me, I have to say, it was Richie Incognito with his turn as a motivational speaker as everyone else in front of him is fighting. 36 years old, maybe he is not too late to turn a new leaf for Richie Incognito. <laughs> so we've... <laughs> And you, and you know, uh, and actually, I don't want to cut you off. It's so funny. If you really watch, if you really watch, you'll notice Richie Incognito, he didn't enjoy in it. Whitworth, the left tackle for the, uh, for the Rams, he didn't enjoy in it. Weddle didn't enjoy in it. And you notice that as a young player, you're at the center of all of that. But as an older player, you realize, like, hey, man, listen, I'm older. I'm not about to go jump in that pile and possibly get a broken arm or some sort of uh, some sort of injury that's going to put me on the shelf for a number of weeks. You know that I'm not getting involved because I'm looking at the big picture. And I know that this is just the dog days of training camp. It's going to be a few scuffles whenever you have teams practicing against one another. That's just the nature of the business. And so for me, that's the dichotomy of young bull 
oval and how they and how they handled that situation is always something fascinating to me. And even going back to uh to uh to the DN, I forget the one we we're just talking about, the fourth rounder out of Eastern Michigan. Max Crosby. Uh how how uh how if you notice he got hurt around uh the middle part of the game in the preseason. They go, they put a cast on, he goes back out there. In about three or four years, when he's a veteran, let's say a contract year, or let's just say he just signed a, a nice free agent contract. He's not going back in that game if he injures himself in the middle of the first uh, game of the preseason. He's not going back in there. So that's just something for me is looking as an older player, looking back on it. That's just the dichotomy of how one handles things when you're young, when you're a rookie versus an older player. It's something that's uh, fascinating. And we will continue to update everybody here with all things Hard Knocks every Tuesday right after Hard Knocks airs. You can bet on there being another podcast here from the Vegas Nation crew. So again, find us online at VegasNation.com. Download that app, Vegas Nation, uh, for all things silver and black. And download the show anywhere else you find your podcast. The latest episodes of Vegas Nation are brought to you by STN Sports Mobile by Stations Casino. And we will be back again next Tuesday talking all things Hard Knocks. We are your source here for everything Hard Knocks and Raiders related. Find us on Twitter at Adam Hill LVRJ at S Route with two T's 26. And I am at Heidi Fang. For Adam, for Stan, thank you for listening.